0: Let's be honest, most digital banking experiences just aren't that amazing. Learn how more than 180 banks worldwide, including Barclays, Deutsche Bank, and BBVA, innovate faster
1: with Strands as their trusted fintech partner. To find out more, visit strands.com today.
2: Critical Mass. That's what turns the smallest ventures into life-changing forces. Reach Critical Mass by joining Temenos Open Marketplace for fintechs
3: Welcome to Fintech Insider, recording from Monzo's headquarters in London, the heart of fintech. Yay! I'm Leah Templeman, head of operations at Monzo, and we've taken over the show today. With me, I've got Jonas Huckstein, co-founder and CTO at Monzo. Uh,
2: Hello, this is what my voice sounds like.
3: (laughs) And and Hugo Corneo, head of design at Monzo.
1: Hello, this is not how my voice sounds.
3: (laughs) We've also got some familiar voices. David Breer. Hello. And Simon Taylor. Hello. Both from 11FS. Let's start the show.
4: Awesome. Thank you very much. I was about to say for joining us, but actually, we're joining you this week, aren't we? This is quite weird. Thanks for welcoming <laughs> us into your offices.
0: I feel very welcomed right now. I'm seeing lots of Monzo stickers. I'm seeing people posting <laughs> cards. Then this is like the dream right here. It's it like is. it's like seeing inside Santa's grotto. It right is. <laughs> those, those
3: got, that makes, temperatures as well. That's
4: yeah. what sort of makes them elves outside putting those cards in the thing and putting them out. Right? Why they're not in elf uniforms? I don't know. That's a bit disappointing. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> and I, I guess for international listeners, can you tell us a little bit about more about Monzo and uh, you know what, who are you guys? What are you doing? And um, why are we all customers? There's clearly something that's happening and that's driven us all to this.
2: For international customers and also uh, um, UK uh, listeners, uh, we're, we're a brand new uh, smartphone bank, uh, initially in the UK only, and um, we are currently in the process of getting a banking license from the two regulators here, the PRA and the FCA, um, and uh, getting a full
3: banking license.
2: A full banking license. We got our
3: banking license with restrictions in August, which is very exciting. Uh,
2: yes, and in the meantime, we have these these shiny hot coral cards that uh, you might have seen uh, out in the wild, um, uh, that we're giving to our users uh, so that we can develop our product until we issue uh, full current accounts next year.
4: Cool, and it's been going rather well, hasn't it? In terms of the uh, the last sort of uh, year or so in terms of activity, you guys have been sort of breaking funding platforms in terms of generating money and the amount of people who are sort of in a queue now to get one of the, uh, the lovely hot coral cards. So uh, how's that been going?
3: It's been fantastic. I think we've all been pleasantly surprised, um, particularly by the crowdfunding campaign um, and, and just the love we're receiving from the people, people using the cards. I mean, obviously, it was a little bit expected. It's a great product, um, but we're still we're still in our sort of beta phase. We're still testing things out. It's not perfect yet, um, but we're very lucky to have a. A very supportive community who are helping us develop it, and it's getting better every week. I think. And um,
0: why do you think it is that they support you? You know, like um, I do get asked this a lot of by people in banking, and they go, "But it, but it's just a prepaid card, right? Mm. That's that's all it is." And but people really do love this product, and as a user myself, and as somebody who's lived in fintech, there's something about the soul of the brand that's like hard to put my finger on. So I'm hoping you guys can do it for me. Like, tell me what's the magic here? What what separates it?
3: It's Hugo. It's all the design. It's all me. <laughs>
1: I, think, I think it's because we are kind of the promise or of something that people feel that, that there's a need for. Like I, yeah, true. What we are right now delivering is not like so groundbreaking. Like there are certain things like, oh, real-time notifications, freeze your card. It's pretty cool, but something that eventually everyone will have. right? I think it's more about knowing that maybe we're onto something that, that really, really, it's really cool. So it's not about the features,
0: because anybody yeah. could do the features. It's about the feeling you
1: create. At this stage, I think it's, it's the feeling of knowing that we are going to do something is really useful for ah. you, and that we, really, we are on your side. Mm-hmm. I think I, we are, and I think that's somehow it's, uh, we are communicating it, oh. people are feeling it. So
0: it's one so thing to have a branding um, kind of exercise that says on your side. It's another thing to make people feel like you're actually on their side. It's two different things, I guess. But
3: I think that's really crucial like we haven't spent time like developing a brand we don't have a kind of key core values that we we I mean we do but it's not something that we've sat down and decided it's something that's developed over time Mm. Um, and I I think that's really key to how people perceive us
4: yeah and and how much of that has been driven by because obviously you guys have one of the things that really sort of differentiates you is is the community that you're built up around this the almost as you say it feels like it's a movement, not a company, in terms of actually what you guys have established. So, how much is that community a big part of of what you're doing? And I guess the I'm I'm expecting the you know these aren't concentric circles, right? I imagine everybody in the community is a customer of yours in terms of what's what's happening. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think I think um, I was going to mention that uh, on on the previous question. It's just everything has sort of originated from a very very small group of people. Uh, a year and a half ago, when we just started, so initially we said we're going to start a bank, and then a few people they project everything they want out of a bank and all the stuff they don't like about their bank on that, and so they latched onto it. And then we had these first, very first prepaid cards, and we started inviting sort of technology savvy people in uh, in London to our offices for hackathons to build cool things with basically a programmable pre- uh, prepaid card. And we had, you know, a few hundred people like that, and then they told their friends, uh, uh, friends and friends that we started opening up the office. Uh, in January February last year I think um, uh, Tom Paul and I must have given a few dozen uh, sort of presentations in the evening inviting people after work come to our office have some drinks um, and and get a, a very early alpha Monzo card and then, you know, they, they are also bought in. I mean, they spent their free time in the evening after work to just come in. And then the next step was we, we needed to go bigger, so we made an online community forum and said, you know, people can come there and, and hang out once they no longer fit in our office. And I think so far, um, yeah, people would still consider themselves to be the members of a community as opposed to the users of a card that gives you free foreign transactions. So does it feel like there's
0: um, an element of inviting them in like we were saying it was nice to be in and see Santos Grosso Does, do you think there's something about that the customers don't feel like customers but like they get to walk through the door and be part of the process of building the bank with you is there something there
3: definitely and that's one of the best things that's come out of this prepaid program I mean, we've actually we've learned a, a lot of technical knowledge about how the payment systems or so speaking personally I didn't know a lot about that before um, so we've learned a lot of that but the biggest thing I think is getting a whole mass of thousands tens of thousands of people to feel like they are building this bank and they are like their feedback is hugely important Um, and I think that's what really sets us apart from from other competitors
4: yeah and you've got like you say that community is incredibly active isn't it in terms of either the slack channel or I guess literally inviting people into your home as it were in terms of doing things so you know how vocal are those guys in terms of you know it's always fun to hear feedback of your designs firsthand but i imagine you must have lots of people coming to you with uh, with feedback right Yeah,
1: and I, I think it's a great thing and i've been i've been learning like as as a designer um, it's it's usually very hard to to present something to the world that you know that is not polished that is not finished and because you have your your pride and all that um, and we've been switching that and, and and we work that way and the the what you get in return is so valuable because people are helping you and it's it's kind of like an exercise of um, to be a bit more humble maybe, present things, letting them test them, listen to that, change things based on that. Um, and we have many points where we like get in touch with them. So for example, we run a user testing here in our offices every week. Um, those are great opportunities. Like yesterday, we had people here and they tell you, oh this thing is not working very good you should fix it and it's like it's great because you get to see the face of this person mm-hmm. then in you that look this is not good enough fix it yeah. Yeah, and that's great and then even like ideas or things that are a bit more conceptual um, we have our, our roadmap is public so you can see what we are going to work you can like kind of see a bit the strategy um, and have an impact on that Mm. Super
0: cool. So tell me like um, when these people are walking through the door who is this customer like who who are they are they just sort of tech savvy people from the London area or has that changed are they are they all one age and one gender like is there a variety here what's what's who, who do you typically see walk through the door?
1: Hmm. Probably not like w- we still have like a huge bias on that mm-hmm. like most of our customers still uh, are like tech savvy, like you see it because they can. They have an Apple Watch, like mm-hmm. it's that kind of thing, and and mostly mostly men as well, which is another a big problem that we are trying to solve. Um, so we have that that bias that is, it, and we have it in the, in the team as well. So I, I think it's something that spreads that way, um, but we are we are making efforts to fix that and try to listen to people that are different, to people that probably don't have that much disposable income uh, or don't know about technology or not are not so comfortable using apps. Um, so it's it's part of that progress. I think
3: it's natural for a company at this stage. Though we're still we still are in the beta uh, testing phase, and the app is entirely on your phone. So if you're someone who doesn't really like using your phone, doesn't have many apps on it, like this definitely isn't the product for you.
0: There's something about the old adoption curve, isn't there? Like yeah. if you're in that sort of 0.1, then you're going to probably. have tick a lot of those boxes of being probably male probably into software probably tech savvy but actually you know my mum's been using facebook and loves it for a few years but when i first was raving about it to her she didn't really want to know anything about it and i think perhaps you guys are still maybe in that phase
3: mm.
4: i think there's a i think there's a big part there, like you say it's, you, you design for a certain group of people and make it simple and easy for them to interact with but you know when i've showed my my mum the app I'm not going to name the name she of the bank that she banks with, but that's the inhibitor for her moving to mobile banking is like how horrific that app actually is in terms of doing it She would like to have the the sort of simplicity of understanding and the and access in terms of doing it but um that particular bank makes it rather difficult, which is yeah. not good
2: and i think I think it's normal for a technology company to just pursue growth wherever they see growth, um, you know, it's really the smartest strategy uh, so that you can show some traction. But the, the the sort of good news is when people that are not in that group are introduced to, to the idea, then it's it's not alien to them or like totally bad, right? It's, uh, it's sort of for the first time, at least in, in my life, it's working on something where every single person I know actually has a need for this and could benefit from it. And probably, if they used it for a little while, they would really, really like it. Yeah. Uh, it it's not really possible to participate in, in modern society without that kind of thing. And objectively, at the moment, we, you know, there's, there may be other fintech companies and prepaid cars that have a similar user experience, but banks definitely <laughs> don't at the moment.
0: Yeah. It's very true. There was a, a story recently, um, David and I were in um, Johannesburg, uh, and I remember showing the Monzo app. And now I'm going to sound like a total fanboy. And I, I, you know what? I don't even care. I, I don't care. I love Monzo. I'm, I'm just saying. There's a, there's a moment here. Yeah, no, no, I, I just don't care. But there was a moment where uh, somebody was saying, oh, you know, I'd love it if there was something where, you know, I could kind of track my spending in my mobile banking app. And I said, well, have you seen Monzo? And then I just showed it, you know, it was the Android yeah. version. So it wasn't like the full iOS experience. And they said, oh, my God, if, um, bank that they were working for did this they'd actually switched their account to work for the bank to move to the bank that they work for and it was like yes but it wasn't the fact that it was breaking down their spending habits it was something about the luck and feel the first thing they saw was the coral card they're like oh what's that and they asked the question the second thing they did is saw the app and the logo and the name and everything and so there was just something like it, it was Low friction, I think, is is kind of what you're saying there, with
4: with like how difficult everything else is. So, so basically, have you guys thought about doing Africa? Because, like, you know, <laughs> there's, there's
2: clearly a market right there in terms of in terms of the move. Well, I think I think the end goal is that every single person on Earth should be able to download on their smartphone this app and derive some some kind of value from it, right? there isn't somebody who who could reasonably say they don't live sort of in a hut on the mountain by themselves without friends that they don't need. A place to store your value, a place that allows you to transact with other people, with other merchants. Um, so, so ultimately, really, that is where we need to get to. Um, but you know, little baby wheel. steps, focus first, baby <laughs> steps. One, one regulator at a time, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, tell me about um,
0: you know, in terms of functionality and what You know, once somebody's picked up the app. What are people finding the most useful? What do you find the most useful as users yourself? <laughs> Is there something where you go, I like that about it, but you know, obviously it's your baby as well, so you'll have things that you don't like mm-hmm. yet.
1: But f- for me, are probably f- three things: like the fact that it's real time. That's compared with uh, the legacy bank that I bank with. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, that's really important. Like I know constantly my real balance. I know what can I afford. Like something as simple as that, it's f- for me it's really important. The the second one is this idea of doing everything from the phone. Like I hate to go to the desktop and take the pin reader and plug the card and whatever. And I'm I'm tech savvy. Mm-hmm. I work in this. Okay, <laughs> my partner struggles doing that. Um, and and the third thing would be like to to keep like that record of everything. Like even things like <laughs> I try to control spending on on pizza, Domino's pizza. Now I know how much I'm I'm spending (laughs) It's not. It's not even about money, it's more about, it's kind of like a lifestyle thing. Like, oh, like, oh, this month I've ordered five times Mm -hmm. pizza. That's not a good idea. You know, like, to have that information, I don't know. What what about you guys?
3: Now that you've said that, I'm just thinking of one of those things. For me, real-time notifications make a huge difference. It's amazing how quickly you get used to them when it was first suggested. being the luddite that I sometimes am, I was like, "Ugh, that will be so annoying!" Yeah. Just constantly getting these notifications on your phone. But now, when I um, ever don't use my Monzo card, da, 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 oh. which very rarely happens, but you're suddenly like, "Oh, why? Why aren't I? Why aren't mm-hmm. I getting this through?" And I actually, I had a time where I dropped my card. I hadn't realised. Had gone home, uh, was having lunch with my sister, and suddenly like got this. My phone buzzed and was like, "Oh, ten pounds at Tesco's. That's interesting." <laughs> that and, wasn't me. Yeah. Because you can freeze the card in the app as well. This is like the perfect story for plugging Monzo, <laughs> but it's genuinely true because you can freeze the card in the app. That's immediately what I did. And I could see this person go around all the supermarkets in my area, just trying contactless transactions, obviously, yeah. under £30, uh, just trying their luck. And to the extent where I was also like, I can see exactly what shop they're in. <laughs> Maybe I should go down there and get to the next one before <laughs> them and be like, just look for the, the hot coral card. But decided it wasn't worth it. Um, I, so. I,
4: I definitely really sort of benefit from that. You know, I, I find the, um, like I say, not wanting to turn it into too much of a loving for you guys in terms of doing it, but the, the idea that, that I will know when a transaction has gone through because it buzzes on my wrist on my Apple Watch yeah. before... Yeah. the person in Starbucks who's sort of preparing me a sort of really chai-spiced something or other uh, actually knows. It and it sounds
0: a- really gimmicky at the first part. And I think this was something you were saying a moment ago. It just sounds like a, a pointless gimmick. Oh, i got a real-time notification. I get too many notifications anyway. I don't want a notification. It's It's not just that you've got that from a fraud prevention standpoint. You can know where your card's being spent. But I think it's also that your balance gets updated real-time. Yeah. So as soon as you go into the app, you know precisely where you are. And when you ask people you know what they really want and what bothers me is like kind of not knowing where I am I see transactions coming a couple of days later and it's like a bit from Tesco and a bit from yeah but when was that I don't really attach it to the moment whereas a transaction in Monzo it's it's immediate feedback and you'd think that's something that is so simple and so easy that everybody could do it but actually it's really really powerful I think that's not to be underestimated again I'm fanboying and I still don't care (laughs) I still don't care (laughs)
3: Pick something that that Hugo didn't mention. Um, (laughs) I also love the ability to send money within Monzo. So obviously I've made all my friends sign up for Monzo um, and spend too much time with people at work anyway. But it it makes it great when you go out for a meal that you can just very quickly just select someone from your contacts and the the money is gone and you see that it's gone immediately. Um, What
4: what I'm really loving about that feature particularly, and this is a a fun fun one, is that actually the amount of people that I know who work at banks who are popping up in the peer-to-peer thing and I'm like, all right, this is who you bank. With now it's, it's, it's <laughs> and stuff. There is uh, definitely something about when yeah. we bump into
0: execs from, 11, when we're doing our 11FS thing, when we're bumping into banks and stuff, that we do find that they want to show us their Monzo card to prove that they're cool too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this is like, yeah. like, like
4: sort of f- literal pictures being posted onto LinkedIn with them and being happy about it very senior people at other banks. It's but but also, I think
0: it, it does speak to them wanting to learn, right? It's, there's a genuine, like, actually, you guys are trailblazing a little bit in terms of experience, and uh, what can they learn from it? So I think that's you know, one of the best sort of compliments you can, yeah. you can get. I feel like I have done too much love in and I should do our listeners a favor and ask you guys, you know, what don't you like? Is there something there that you're like, oh, that we, we couldn't get this in, or we can't do this till later, or are there things there that still frustrate you?
3: Being able to send payments to people outside Monzo, um, outgoing payments, is quite difficult to set up on a prepaid program. And since we're going through the, the banking license application stage, and hopefully aren't too far from the finish line now, it's not something we prioritise putting in. But it definitely is difficult sometimes. None of my family had have iPhones, and so they've only recently come onto Monzo, um, and it would have been great to be able to send them money before from it.
2: I think I think in abstract, the, I mean, we've been working on this for almost two years, and you know you most of us have actually most of our lives sort of thought banks kind of suck and that we want to, uh, you know, if we could do it, we you know we all have different ideas which little bit we would improve. And um, certain things you can do in a prepaid card, and you can improve them, like the instant notifications for uh, card spending in particular, but uh, certain things you just can't do until you're a bank. So I think the thing that is worst about Monzo at the moment is... It is. it is not a full bank and a lot of the things where you know we, we always get really really excited about them nobody's even seen them or, or uh, sort of we wouldn't be able to do them simply because we're not the bank so for example my favorite thing uh, that you know isn't brand new is, is just what we've been talking about for years but couldn't do is if you want to send money to somebody outside of Monzo and you don't have their bank account details it's no problem you can just uh, use their phone number or their email address and then they get a link that you know, allows them to put in their account number and sort code. That's not really super new. Other challenger banks have done that. But what you can also do, if if you build all of your systems yourself and if you're, you know, sort of a tech-savvy company, you can even make it so that they can say either you put in your account number and sort code to claim the 20 quid from Leah, or you just open a Monzo account with a 20-pound balance, immediately sideload a virtual debit card into your Apple Pay or Android Ooh. Pay, and immediately pay... Pay for for pret or something like that, or if there's a uh, if there's a cardless ATM, you could take out cash. It would be the fastest sort of way to send your friends cash value. Mm-hmm. It would be faster for them to sign up for a bank account f- with Monzo and then take the money or, or get the economic value as compared to putting in their account number and sort code and then somehow using it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think is mind blowing. Um. Yeah, not not, not many organisations
4: have a an account opening process that efficient, do they? Um. Yeah, that has, in terms of
0: onboarding, um, I've seen eight to ten weeks. Um, in some examples for, for basic current account products. And the, like the, there was somebody we were talking to last night who, who shall remain nameless that worked for um, a large organization. That and, shall remain nameless. Yeah, <laughs> that also shall remain nameless. But uh, the, the thing was there kind of saying that uh, there's almost a view internally that uh, you know, if you really want an account, you know, we want to make sure you really want it. Like, we, we know we can make these processes a bit shorter, but we'll leave them where they are because we only want the customers that are really gonna jump through the hurdles. And I think that as a cultural thing was was really scary.
4: It is, yeah, it's quite a worrying fact. So what, what sort of changes then? Obviously, as you say, you're, you're kind of going through this, uh, the, the sort of alpha beta at the moment, sort of pre-license, and you guys have taken a, a very different approach to pretty much everybody else in the market, right? In that most are, you know, Readying the troops and sharpening their knives behind closed doors until they actually sort of launch and come out. So, what changes when you go into uh, the, the full piece and you've got the full license?
1: I, I mean, in terms of product, all the things that you expect from a current account, right? Like basically, uh, things like getting your salary paid in the car or being able to, to pay your rent from the car. Um, to then, things that um, kind of sustain our, our um, business model, like for example, uh, overdrafts. Um, and then Cooler things like like what Jonas was mentioning, like things like grouping transactions that are recurrent. Like, and I, I don't mean just direct debits or standing orders. I mean like for example, Netflix is recurrent, right? They they charge you every month or Spotify or all those really cool things that we'd be able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, plus having a debit card because the prepaid have some issues here and there uh, with the debit that disappears. Plus I hope like Apple Pay, like all the, all that stuff in terms of like basic product. Um, but I think that the rollout will be ex- slower at the beginning, slow, until until we, we have everything figured out and, and we are happy with. Cool.
3: I think what will be really exciting as well is just having complete control over everything. Um, so we, we work with some fantastic partners who are very supportive um, it, on the prepaid programme, but there are, obviously if you're working with an external party, there are things that sometimes take longer than you would hope or like. Um, And I just think, I I agree that at the start, it's going to be like a pretty slow and pretty painful process, like totally honestly. But once we get going I just think the speed at which we will start moving will be incredible I'm very excited
0: there is a bit of a culture of speed here and, and kind of making things either real time or you know, kind of that instant feedback do you need different talent and different people you know like where, where are your hires coming from are they coming more from the tech and startup space are you bringing people from the old world of banking is there a hodgepodge here and, and how are you finding recruitment generally
2: I think there's definitely a, a hodgepodge that's, that's sort of the, the whole point right it's um is, you know, there's there's technology startups. They generally don't get banking licenses, uh, and you know, stay clear of regulated industries. A lot of people also would like to get into healthcare or government or whatever, but it's really difficult. So the you know the, the the smart young coder founder types they just don't really do it. And then there's on the other side you have the large banks, but they're not that great at technology. And I think what has happened here is through a, a series of fortunate events, we just have sort of people from all kinds of different backgrounds. Um, uh, you know uh, working together and then there's this process of osmosis that happens where uh, you know um, people uh, from a financial crime background or a risk background can learn about how Silicon Valley startups are started and people from uh, technology like myself uh, can learn about how banks even work and uh, you know how banks manage their risk and uh, do all these things that maybe if you're uh, if you're in a, a tech company you, you wouldn't even think about that much
4: how, how do you guys identify that so like if you uh you know, you've all got sort of varied backgrounds, but technically, you guys are bankers now, right? <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. How does that work? Like, if you're standing in a pub and people ask you what you do, do you mm-hmm. say, "Yeah, I'm, I work for a bank."
3: I work for a new kind of
4: bank. <laughs> <laughs> I work for a bank, but don't hold it against me. Yeah. So you're not a complete banker. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but maybe, maybe it's one of those that, like, it just changes. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, like, I'm from Spain, okay, and um, in Spain there's certain professions or even a uh, public sector. That has like different values than here, let's say, and here people would be really proud of of you know like performing certain profession, so I think that maybe there's something to do with that. like when you think in banking, usually you think, oh, these guys' like taking advantage, they are in a position of power, they are abusing and taking taking and, and offering something really like shit, basically mm-hmm. yeah. as, I- as we don't do that, that should change. Right?
2: Yeah, I think, I think one, uh, you mentioned a good point, though, in the sense that for people that have no idea that there can be technology company banks and that are maybe far away and we're trying to attract the best talent. So, you know, we, we think, for example, in, in the realm of uh, uh, information security, uh, you know, the, a, our company would be such a great place for security researchers to work. But on the other hand, if just across the internet you read somewhere an advertisement for a security role at uh, a bank then uh, many people that we're actually trying to target would just absolutely not apply or read further. They'd just be like, no, 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 I, I don't want to work for an organization like that. So it's mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's quite interesting. I, think, I do feel like it signals, uh, being a bank signals a little bit like uh, some people may not want to work there. And we, we need to sort of overcome that, I guess, in our in our advertisements and, uh, you know, make it very clear it's different.
4: Well, I, I guess that movement is as much about you all internally as it is for the people who are sort of using the product, right? I guess internally, it, you know, just from being here for, for a little while, it, it kind of feels like you guys are kind of uh, united behind the, the, the sort of purpose of, of what you're doing, which is great. You know, that that must be a, a fun place to be doing things, right?
3: I think it's super fun. I have a great time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah, I I, I think going back way back to the start of this uh conversation like i think that is true like what people perceive the company as is like a combination of all the people who make up the, comp- the company. Yeah.
0: I think it's, you know to the credit of most people I've met in banking, these are great human beings who are trying to do a good job, but they're in something that's very big and very complex and very hard to change, whereas actually it feels like you guys have got the clay and you've not even started sticking it in the oven yet, it's still so moldable and it's probably the most fun stage, but getting talent to understand what that is and attracting people to it, I guess, can be kind of difficult because it kind of becomes like an ink, ink block test. People can assume you're anything because until they've used it, they, they don't really know. So it's, uh, it's interesting you make this point about um, you know being a technology company that does banking. The amount of banks I hear that claim to be that or that that's what they need to become. But I, but I wonder if there's a values and culture thing here. Like there's a culture of being tech driven, and you know you talked really about the fin um, crime people and the osmosis and learning from each other. I remember working in a large bank, and um, it took me two years to meet a developer. I, I I didn't meet a developer for two years, whereas actually you guys sit side by side, and and that osmosis happens. Is there is that that is there an advantage in culture? Is is are there challenges with that culture as well? Does it have drawbacks? Like, what are your thoughts there?
2: Well, I, I mean. Uh there's almost only advantages, <laughs> so but we can get onto that. I, I guess like the the one thing, obviously, it introduces some degree of friction when you bring people from from all kinds of uh, different backgrounds together, and I think that is a reason why uh, sort of subconsciously, you know, in, in any life situation, people often avoid that. Um, but but in the end, I think I think when you when you work through it, it's it's almost only advantage, right? Like, I, I think uh, anybody in almost any role that that knows at least. Uh, how software is made and and how technology works they'll be able in this day and age to perform their role uh, better so it's it's, it's sort of great from that perspective and and the other way around nobody wants people that don't know about banking and banks to be building banks so it's sort of equally as necessary um, for the exchange to happen in the other direction so I think yeah it is very positive (laughs) broadly.
3: I agree. And addressing the question around whether other challenger banks and startups have it, I, I think to some extent they do. I think because we're building so much of our technology in house and have so many engineers as a result, although not as many as we need. If there are any good ones listening, please apply. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that it happens even more here, perhaps, yeah, than than in other places. And I certainly so. I come from a non technical background, and I have learned a huge amount just from like being surrounded by so many amazing people and everyone takes the time to explain stuff to you. Like I have a very clear understanding mm. of how every part of our prepaid program works. And if something goes wrong, I definitely can't fix it, but I can guess at what may have gone wrong. Yeah, um, And that's like leaps and bounds from where I was two years ago. So. Sure. Yeah.
2: And th- there's also an aspect of of there needs to be representation of technology in, in every level of the company, right? Like um, uh, Tom's a programmer, I'm a programmer, and, and I think it, it's, it's like – that is the thing i think that will be hardest to overcome for for banks because really like there's this, there's this famous comic on the internet where um, that illustrates the sort of uh, misunderstandings or problems that happen when people don't really understand technology, so there's a, uh, this comic of a, a sort of manager telling an engineer, "Hey, can you give me um, a list of all the photos from a photo sharing app that uh, that were taken in Central Park?" And then the developer's, "Great, yeah, that'll take half an hour because there's GPS timestamps on all of them, and I know where Central Park is." And then the manager uh, sort of takes it away and then comes back and thinks this will be another five minute job and says, uh, "Can you now also limit it only to the photos of birds?" Mm-hmm. And then uh, the developer says, "That'll take uh, three years and a team of PhDs," mm-hmm. and like this kind of thing is very very difficult to overcome if you don't have somebody who yeah. like actually knows and can make like a gut check and say this is easy this is hard and it goes in you know in, in every level of the company that is you know if you have tools that everybody's using in the company um uh, for for frontline operations or customer support and there's a little thing that's a little bit of friction, then it's really, really valuable if, if um, everybody in that position can tell whether or not this will be a two second fix or something that takes a few days. Um, and, and so that's why it's important that. Just
0: because yeah. you see the opposite in banks quite often yeah. where, you know, like I say, not only yeah. did it take me two years to find a developer, but there was this, <laughs> oh, those those people at the other side of yeah. the world, we don't understand them. Hmm. We chucked them the document and they haven't come back to us. And their SLA is that they come back to us internally within a week. And it's like, yeah, you were, somebody agreed at some level that a response would take a week. But, like... Did you actually understand what the problem was yeah. when you wrote it down? Did you understand how difficult the fix was going to be? Did they understand what you meant and what you wrote into the document? So that shared understanding of tech, especially at the executive level, is is so, so crucial. There was a statistic that something like less than 6% of execs had ever seen a screenshot of Square. Um, most people had never heard of most of the com- fintech companies you would consider major. Um, and something like less than 40% had ever used PayPal. <laughs> I mean it, it, it but these are the people running banks now they they know they need this technology stuff but I don't know if they have uh, the people that can teach them that all yeah. the time
4: yeah, I guess it's pretty contextual though right and then most of the organizational uh, big organizations you you'll go to like, I didn't poke around your office too much, I'll do that after we've finished here in terms of doing it, but I didn't I didn't see an innovation lab anywhere. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's hidden. I, I'm, presuming,
4: I'm presuming you guys don't have meetings every day worrying about being innovative. It's just the stuff you're doing and actually providing experiences to customers in terms of where you're at. So I think the, the sort of stage in the evolution, I guess, is sort of slightly different, really. And that
0: begs an interesting question what do you worry about like if you can't work like uh, what are your anxieties what are the things that you hope work out well
1: hmm. as, as a company, or yeah. as, well, as an, company as
4: with your <laughs> own C- clearly too much pizza for starters yeah. yeah. right. that's, uh, that's a big I'm worry not,
1: i'm not worrying that now that much because it's christmas so you can hire yeah <laughs> big jumpers yeah. <laughs> exactly i i mean this this might sound a bit uh, like. I don't know. Like, we are really ambitious. We we have this idea of, like, being the first bank with one billion customers, right? And we believe, I like, do believe that some, that's going to happen. Like, someone is going to do it. So my fear would be if it's not us. <laughs> but, you know, like, it's like, who's the Uber here? Sure. Like, mm-hmm. But I hope it's us. So it's, it's, it's a, that's the a solution, right? Sure.
3: I think, for me, like, going more short term, my biggest fear is um, that we don't, Kind of go mainstream, if you like. We've had a huge amount of traction. It's been incredibly exciting. But we did this really humbling exercise this week where we were just collecting data from people going through Old Street Station to see like how many people were aware of Monzo. Um, and it's the kind of thing where you're like, oh, Old Street, pretty techy. Everyone I talk to knows about Monzo. Like, let's say like you know like fifty percent of people, like so many people, like the like eighty percent ish. I don't know exactly what the figure was. Like. I had no idea what we were talking about. And then we'd obviously tell them a little bit about it, and it was surprising the number of people who were like, yeah, I'm like, I'm pretty happy with my bank account at the moment. I think the amount of apathy that there is is not to be underestimated. I think we offer a truly differentiated product, and I think the way we get around it is we make it extremely easy for people to try it. Mm. And so it's such a low barrier that you give it a go, and then you're like, actually, you know what? This is this right. is way way better. Yeah. Um, but if we don't get them trying it, they trip up
0: and fall into it. And I think David makes a point quite often that one of the major ways that banks acquire customers and one of the major ways that you build a brand presence in financial services historically has been to do a huge above-the-line TV advertising campaign and actually until you're in a position to do that it makes no sense to do it and until you feel like you've got to got everything there to do it it makes no sense to do it but yeah, actually
4: we've f- seen it in you know like aggregators weren't really a thing until they started spending above the line heavily and, and yeah then money supermarket confused and compare the market and all these guys kind of near-cut. suddenly really sort of exist in the psyche so i guess it's about aspirations of size, right it depends on whether you want a billion customers or whether you want a million customers, you know, in terms of uh, how you approach kind of attracting them. So,
1: Yeah, but I guess there's something as well with products that become better when more people use them or your friends use them. For example, an aggregator usually don't get better by the fact that your friends use it. Um, Whereas if you look at things like Twitter or Facebook, they haven't spent on ads. They, in fact, they've done it once they were already huge, and it's this kind of like Coca-Cola ad of, we're still here, we still exist, right? But they, they got to the volume first, because it, it became better as. Yeah, as, as is, is there an element of breaking
0: those old rules then? Because people say that you can't build a bank without by building your own core system, and you go to, for best I can tell from your blog, building your own core system. People say that you can't acquire customers virally, but actually that's that's something that you, you really hope will happen and will will take off. Is it, it, breaking the rules what makes you guys, I guess, a little bit different or those established things and, and maybe bringing in that tech thinking to it? Because I find, you know, I've been in innovation labs where people have talked about doing growth hacking and then they've said, but, um, so what's the process at the call center for when we've done the growth hacking? And it's just, <laughs> the, you know, there's just no, you know something really missing there. It, is there something in kind of just the approach that's different here, I guess?
1: Mm, very, very good question. I, I, I don't even think we think in those terms. I think it's more, or the way I see it at least, is the, the part that, that we deliver physically, that is like the card and, and the app, we, we are trying to do something that is world class. And by that, I mean that an app that performs and feels and everything is like, like the good apps that you use, like Instagram like it's something that this is very well done like they update it there's a new iPhone with a new screen or something and it's updated that very same day that kind of thing yeah. and the cart as well and then customer support that is kind of like, like the the Amazon uh, touch right like this thing of how can you give a, a customer support that is really really top class mm. and I think the one that we currently have is, is unheard of like in mm. in, in, in I think I, in, in your brother,
0: right? I would encourage um, Fintech Insider listeners to check out Monzo's Twitter account and just see some of the replies that go to some customers. Like there, are, there is genuine humour in there, but there's, I think, more than anything, there's humanity. Um, and, and I see this across a lot of the challenges. To be fair, it's, it's not unique to Monzo. I think there is something where humanity and your ability to communicate is something that a, a smaller brand is willing to have, that a large brand seems very, you know, not willing to show. It's like we can't be human; we must be corporate because it might end up in the newspapers. Blah blah blah.
4: But you, but you seem to put that into everything as well. You know, it's from the release notes that you guys put out in terms of doing it. Like we we like proper lald. <laughs> like it was it was bizarre. You know, in terms of like but gaining you know, humor through those things in terms of actually putting it out. It just seems like it's completely embedded in all the communications in terms of the, you know, the fun that you guys are trying to sort of generate. So so maybe as the last question then, there's a lot of other challenger banks kind of coming out in this space. Um, you know, obviously we've got the the sort of atoms and tandems and starlings and whatnot that are, are sort of coming through and, and sort of coming to market what do you how do you see the next sort of eighteen months to twenty four months sort of playing out in this space? Do you think there's enough space for all of these challenge banks coming to market uh
2: yes uh, the short answer is definitely yes there's a <laughs> There's this idea of a rising tide lifting all boats uh, except the big banks in this case so mm-hmm. uh, basically, if we all start with no customers, then we're not going to be able to cannibalize each other. All we can do is cannibalize um the the large players and and actually, in our particular case um i mean We love every, every marketing pound spent furthering the notion that you could somehow safely move your paycheck to a challenger bank or anything like that. Like we're absolutely happy to compete with everybody on, on, on product and everything else that we don't really feel like in this particular case, it would be. We don't even think I think that it would be better if we were the only ones doing it because it's it kind of gives you a sense of legitimacy in, in the eyes of the customer where, you know, there, there can be like big media features and it's like, oh, the race of the challenges, who's going to destroy the big bangs and, and, you know. Uh, all of that is, is really, really good for us.
4: And I, and I guess it's, what is it, six, seven hundred million the government are spending on promoting the uh, switching process at the moment? That's got to be kind of good news for you guys as well, right? And the more people are aware that it's simple and secure and easy to do, yeah. then, uh, and like I say, that's the... walking through Old Street right you know getting those guys to know that is key and you know the reason I never did the switch the the account switching thing is because
0: I didn't believe any of the account (laughs) switching guarantee like you guarantee all of my direct debits are going to go out but I don't believe you (laughs) like I get the sense with like a challenger bank and especially a Monzo if you guarantee it then like there's going to be people in the background panicking to make sure that it all does work because you actually genuinely care that it does work and that I don't have any pin and if I do there'd be some sort of cake in it for me so I'm like either way there's cake you
1: know? <laughs> but, but you know when, when I think on those I, I really hope like these uh, switch mechanisms get faster and quicker and all that but I kind of see it like when you change uh, your, your email provider like I'm sure like all of us we use uh, Hotmail like back in the day and then Gmail came and you switch and switch email it's a pain in the ass like now you need to contact all your friends and say now my new email address is this blah 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 but you do it because they're giving it's you better. one gigabyte like it's it's amazingly better so if but but you could try it easily right like to create the account you don't need to commit to use it you just test it um, so I think that's kind of the approach that we're going to follow so no, even much. if there's a bit of friction in the switching, hopefully we will remove it but even if there's a bit of friction if we manage to convince you first mm. with that product that is valuable
4: well, it's a, so like I said, it's a very different approach right most we talk about account opening most people it's a 15 page application form not downloading an app and and starting to use it and that you know that feels more today than you know, where most organizations are moving for for yesteryear. Really. Right. So
0: it's, it's an application form that you then get a letter to go to the branch to present a, a couple of bits of ID that then sends you another letter in the post that gives you your PIN number before your card arrives and then about a week later you might get your card arriving and then none then of your direct debits have moved across. It's just,
4: yeah. Welcome to the future, eh? And, and on, <laughs> on that note, maybe we'll, we'll close this section and... Thank you so much to Jonas, Hugo and Leah for inviting us over to hang out at Monzo HQ. As you've just heard, we're pretty huge fans and on Friday we'll be sitting down with these guys again to learn what it's like to head up technology, design and operations for a cool Challenger bank. If you've loved today's episode, why not leave us an awesome review on iTunes and also you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. That's all for now. Catch you on Friday.